Thank you. I'm going to now put in the, the vicar's report into this bit and then we'll move on to elections. I have written a report which is reflecting back over the last year. And I was very serious when I wrote this that, you know, I've just been so overwhelmed at what has been going on. God is doing an amazing work amongst us and we shouldn't ever take that for granted. We should stop and acknowledge that and really give thanks to God for who he is and what he is doing amongst us. It is so amazing to see him move in so many different ways. And, you know, I've, I've listed some of them. I could have listed a, a whole lot more. But we are a living and active community, church, parish, where God is at the heart and moving us on and challenging us. And we're just seeing him work in so many, many ways. And it's a joy to be able to stand and to, to acknowledge that. Um, so that, that really is my starting point of just, just being amazed. Um, and when you actually stop and, and look back and just remember what he has been doing amongst us, it is phenomenal. What an amazing God we have who wants to work with us. We are such feeble people inadequate in so many ways and yet God wants to work amongst us and he has more for us to do and that's the journey that we are on we are wanting to know more and more about what God is calling us to he hasn't just started calling us this is a church with a deep heritage going way back to 1200 so we're not doing this for the first time but we want to keep in tune with God because God continues to advance his work and therefore, the work that we are called to changes and moves as communities change, as people change, as situations change. And we don't want to be out of tune with God. And so it's important that we do actually stop. And having the week of great expectations was a real marker in the sand for us to say we want to stop. We want to set aside time to be with God. And again, that was such an amazing experience of just being part of that week and enjoying the presence of God, and enjoying seeing so many people want to come and be in God's presence. What better place to be than in God's presence? But of course, we, we, we sit in God's presence, but there's an action to do as well. He calls us, and we've, we've looked at those words about striving with his energy, because he has a work for us to do. And so I just want to spend a little bit of time unpacking something of, of where I think God is calling us to, the types of things that we might be being more involved in. It's not rocket science, and a lot of it isn't new. But I just want to share where I think, what I sense, and from hearing from other people, particularly through that week of prayer, some of the things that were said, the things I've been hearing from you, as well as from God, as to where we are. And I want to start, oh, I've forgotten this thing, um, with telling you a little bit about a report that has come out by the Church of England. You might read in the newspapers terrible stories that the Church of England is in decline. And there's a reality to that. There's a demographic time bomb. That if things don't change within the Church of England, the Church as we know it now, within the next 10 or 15 years, will diminish more and more and more. Because the majority of churches, the, the, the generations that are in churches are of the older generation. We are missing throughout the country younger people. And unless that changes, we all get older. That will change. And, and our churches will become smaller and smaller and smaller. And people have been aware of this. And people have also been aware of some of the things that, that help towards church growth. 
they've thought this might be the case, but this report has actually moved from anecdote to evidence to actually say, where is the evidence that says this is what we think is happening with church growth? This is where we see God working. Some of the, the, you know, the characteristics we might see of churches that grow has been anecdotal, but a big piece of work has been done that has, been, has produced some amazing evidence that says actually here we are and we can prove that some of these things are true. I've got copies of the report which I'd like um, PCC members to spend some time looking at because we can learn from the work that has been done nationally to see what is this saying to us. So that's where I want to start um, is within this report and look at some of the factors that are associated with growth. I'm giving you headlines. The report goes into them in more detail. But here are some of the headlines that people have seen in churches where there is growth, they have a clear mission and purpose. So that's what we're looking to see and to tune into and to hone what is our clear mission and purpose for now. Not what was it for 10 years ago, but what is it for now? It might change in the next 10 years, but what is God saying to us now? Our clear mission and purpose for now. A church that's ready to self-reflect and to learn continually and to change and adapt. Churches that don't want to change don't grow. I think we are very good at self-reflection of learning and of changing and adapting because I've seen that. I have seen that we have, we've had growth over the last few years and that inevitably brings change because there's different faces and that can feel a bit strange sometimes when you come into church and at one stage you knew every face and then you look around and think actually I don't know every face anymore. Even that alone means that we need to adapt and to change and because we want to see growth we cope with that. It might not feel like it once did but we recognize those feelings as being positive in terms of why they are there because we are growing. It's good to to reflect and to learn, never to say we haven't got more to learn. And I think that's a thing that we, we are good at and the PCC works hard at doing that. A church that's committed to nurturing new and existing Christians, that's about discipleship and that's hugely important. And I want us to note that and mark that because I want to come back. It is really vital that people are discipled if we want to see growth. Assigning roles to lay people as well as ordained clergy because we're all involved. God's church is made up of us all, not just a few, but we all have a part to play. And maybe that's something we need to develop more and more. Actively engaging children and teenagers. The majority of churches that are not growing do not have children and teenagers. We've just heard. We are so blessed to have children and teenagers who are active members of our church. Let's continue to build on that more and more. Churches who actively engage with those who might not go to church. That's why we've looked at refurbishing Lawnsmead, because that is a place where we can meet people who might not feel so comfortable coming into church. That's why we want to, to share with the rest of the village in a village fate this coming summer, to be in there with other people, not just to say, no, we're going to do it on our own. We want to engage with people who might not go to church because we know that we're here, that others might know Christ. And if we stick to ourselves, that message isn't going to get out. 
and a good welcome and follow-up for visitors. So this is the evidence. This is when people have gone around and looked at various churches. There's some of the characteristics that they have seen in churches where there is growth. And it's a good checklist for us. And with this idea of self-reflecting and learning, I think it's a checklist we need to go back to every now and again and say, how are we doing? How are we doing in these areas? And are there other areas as well that we might want to look at? So that's our starting point this evening. I just wanted to share. It's timely that that report has come out at a time when we are looking very seriously about our mission and purpose for now. So what is our purpose? Why are we here? We could come up with lots and lots of phrases. Every church has a mission statement, and they all virtually say the same thing. They use different words, but they look very, very similar. So I'm not here to say, here's a brand new mission statement. This is a phrase that has been used in this church for quite a long time, to know Jesus and make him known. I'm not saying that's the strap line that we're going to have forever and ever, but for tonight's purposes, it's very useful to say, this is why we are here. We are here as God's people to know Jesus for ourselves and to make him known. That is our mission and our purpose. What we want to add to that is the clarity so that we know what that means, what that means in reality. So I want to go through the different parts of it. So if one of our purposes is for us to know Jesus, where do we need to be working and what do we need to be doing? Worship is key. Worship in terms of coming together as God's people. It happens to be on a Sunday because that's the pattern in our history of our country that we meet together on Sundays as God's family. To share together, to sing, to praise, to confess, to pray, to share in communion. That is vital and we must make sure that we're putting good energy into our worship. We have a beautiful building we are so fortunate with the resources that we have. We want to make sure that we use them as well as we can. Pray for the people who are leading and preaching week by week. Because what we do together here affects everything else throughout the rest of the week and as we go out to wherever we go, wherever God has placed us in the world. What happens on a Sunday can be taken forward into that. So Sundays need to be key and are at the heart of who we are and I believe that one thing I've seen is an increased expectation that we come expecting to meet God we come expecting that we're growing in our own faith and in our own discipleship and we're coming with excitement and enthusiasm to do that I also see week by week a, a huge welcome and openness to new people we welcome people in, even if it means for a while we might feel slightly uncomfortable because we don't know as many faces as we once did. We welcome people in. And as we welcome people in, we're quite flexible because we need to be. Take Easter morning, where we had to think about how do we actually get everyone to receive communion. And we did it in a different way because we had to, because we had so many people in this building. We were being forced to think what does Sunday mean? How do we change? And I think there are more questions to ask as time goes on, as more people join us, and we pray that that will happen more and more. What does that mean for our worship on a Sunday? Teaching is vital, and that goes back to the nurturing 
and equipping people in faith. So our sermon series, really hearing God and what is it that he wants us to be building on together in the way that we teach on a Sunday. In our home groups, it's wonderful we've got some more home groups starting because they're a smaller place where we can learn together and disciple each other. Looking to the future, I wonder whether we should be having a programme of some outside speakers, people who can come in and speak on topics that it's hard for us from within. You know, an expert on something, on ethics. There's so much going on in our world. And actually to get some teaching coming in, and I wonder whether a programme of outside speakers that we can see over the year, yes, we are making sure we're being informed in the areas that we need to be informed in. Things like Charlotte's Lent Reflections, all these different opportunities of teaching. We need to work on that to make sure that it's as high quality and as informative and as varied and as stretching as it needs to be for us to grow. Prayer is at the heart of everything we do. So let's capture what was good about Great Expectations. We had some evening meetings where people genuinely seemed to want to come. <laughs> and you, as a vicar, you should never be surprised that people want to come to church, but sometimes you are. <laughs> but people came and enjoyed being here. So can we take something of what we all really enjoyed and say, on a termly basis, let's have an evening that combines something of those evening sessions in Great Expectation and add that in to our programme. Quiet days and retreats, because we don't all pray in the same way. Can we think about either signposting people elsewhere or having our own quiet days, our own retreats? In September, there's a diocesan day of prayer which will be amazing opportunity to explore different ways of praying. Can we get a group together? Patsy's involved in the organising committee. But to go as a group of people from here because we're excited about learning new ways of prayer. Some of the artistic meditation. How could we follow that up in a way that's going to work? Not so that we all get stressed out with too many things to do, but it's built into our programme to give us space. Maybe an annual week of prayer where we stop and say, we're giving this time to God. Our fellowship, opportunities to come together. We're good at our social activities and again, planning in advance so that we know over the year there are those times when we come together to have fun. The harvest supper, the quiz night, where we talk to people that we don't normally see from a different congregation or who sit elsewhere in the church. Times when we can mix up and spend time together. Our women's group and our men's group they're fantastic opportunities for people who are not yet part of us to feel comfortable to begin with. Our fellowship is important. Equipping the church to be disciples. How can we do that more? At the moment, various people have spoken to me about different programs or courses that exist that challenge us in our discipleship. So I'm exploring one or two of those to see is there something that we could be putting on for those who might be interested. There's things like Christian leadership, there's things like inner healing and understanding our broken lives and wanting to find God in our brokenness. There's opportunities to invite people in to do a weekend with us, to teach us, to equip us, perhaps on evangelism. Perhaps a weekend away. What is it that could take us into different realms so that we are being equipped to be God's disciples? Pastoral care. There is so much pastoral care goes on here, most of it unseen, but it comes from the love that we have from one another. 
Are there more people that might want to be trained as pastoral assistants or take on roles of visiting? Something to consider for the future. And valuing one another and our differences. As we grow, this becomes more and more important. Justin Welby speaks a lot about this at the moment. The Church of England is the most diverse group you could ever imagine. And this poor man has to try and pull the whole thing together, knowing that he's never going to keep anyone happy. He is talking a lot about being able to disagree well. Being realistic and saying, we could never, wouldn't it be wonderful if we all agreed on everything? That would be easy, but church isn't like that. So as we grow, and as things change, because they inevitably do, because it's organic and things are moving and changing and shifting, valuing one another and our differences and making space for one another. So I may not always have the thing that makes me feel best, but it might be there sometimes. But I know that for somebody else, that's really important. I may not worship in that way. They may not worship the same way as me. But actually, God puts us together so that we can learn from one another and value one another. And I really think that as we grow more and more, that is a strength that we need to make sure is there. I think it is there amongst us but making sure that we continue to strengthen that gift of valuing one another. Sometimes it's about being honest and actually saying, do you know what, I find that really difficult. Because once you start talking about it, it's almost easier. It's when things build up as resentments, it becomes problematic. But valuing one another and our differences is key to being God's people for the work that he has for us. To make Jesus known some of the things we need to think about as we reach out to other people. How are we welcoming? What is the experience like for people who come as newcomers? We like to think we're a really friendly church, and largely that's true. But how are we helping people to feel part? How are we integrating? How are we networking so that people find folk to talk to? What is it like when you've been coming for six weeks and you're not the new face anymore and you get that immediate welcome. How can we find that out? Do we need to invite someone in as a guest to kind of see what their experience is like so that they can tell us? Because we think we're good at it. Are we good at it? I, mostly we are. But what sort of systems can be in place? Because we assume that everybody understands the language we talk about. So we, we talk about different groups. We talk about people's names. How does the newcomer react when they don't know what on earth we're talking about? Do we need better systems of following up people who are saying, yes, I want to make this my church, but actually I want to find out what it means to belong here. I need someone to come and tell me about the groups that exist, how I might be more part of it, how I might give to this church. Are we communicating the things we need to communicate or do we need better systems? How do we use those amazing opportunities that I haven't seen as well as in any other place I've been in as, as in a village, baptisms, weddings and funerals? offer such incredible opportunities to meet people where they are at moments that are incredibly important to them. How do we build on those encounters? We've had some parenting courses. Could we build more onto those? Bereavement support exists, but is there more that we can be doing that's making the most of opportunities that are coming more and more frequently? It's incredible. People are turning to the church. And I am surprised, I shouldn't be, that they are turning to the church and how do we meet them and build on that? Nikki's already said there's an awful lot of people who don't know anything 
about the Christian faith, or very little. They know some childhood facts. How do we meet people where they are? We've been given a resource from the diocese, an inquirer's course. It's called Puzzling Questions. I plan running that in the autumn to begin to see, is this something that could be part of our programme? Meeting people who have got vast questions long before they're ready for something like Alpha. What does it mean to be spiritual? Do we need to put on some things like that? And for those who really do want to follow on their faith, nurture. We've had an experience so far where Patsy and Kia are running a nurture course. It happened to be the Emmaus course. The tool doesn't really matter. But it's taking people at that very first stage and saying, we care about you and we want to give you some foundations to build for your faith. What's the role of our school as it grows? Our church school and the opportunities that arise from that. Part of me wonders, there's a fantastic school hall at Wanish and Shanley Green. Could we be using that a bit more? In a dream, could we be having our holiday club down there amongst the community rather than bringing them into where we are, actually meeting people where they are? There's more to explore about what does it mean to be part of a church school and, and liaising with Shanley Green over that and having conversations with Sally Davis and saying, we're missing some opportunities here. What more could we be doing and how do we work together on that? Fresh expressions, different ways of being church for those people who, for some, you know, what we offer on a Sunday isn't going to work for them. What else is there? What else could we be doing? Do we need to start an after-school service, a messy church type thing? Is a Saturday tea time a better place for some folk who've got kids who play sport on a Sunday? What other ways are there of meeting as God's people that we could explore? And what are we doing with regards to our mission? And again, there's a new team looking at our response to mission and strengthening our mission partnerships. That's a lot of stuff. And a lot of it we're doing. But I think there's a challenge to build on a lot of what we are doing and to explore more of that. And that's where things like involvement of everybody comes in. What I don't want is everyone to be absolutely exhausted and not have time to be out where they're meant to be because they're so bogged down with doing church things. That's not what we're about. It's more each one of us coming before God and saying, what are you calling me to be part of? What do you have in store for me over the next year or so? Which aspect of this exciting church do you want me to be part of where I can really invest? I can't be part of everything. But where, Lord, do you want me to be? We can equip you and train you. Don't ever let that be a problem. But where is God calling you to play your part that only you can play as we move forward together? Future staffing is a really important aspect now. We know that Nikki is retiring. And Nikki's given us lots of notice, which is amazing. And that's given us a chance to explore and ask some questions. And this is the real nitty-gritty thing that I want to present to you this evening. The PCC and various groups have been doing a lot of thinking about our future staffing, about where we might use the resource that we have for staffing. And it feels that we need to invest in our youth and children. It makes sense with all that we've seen in the evidence that churches that engage with children and teenagers are churches where we might see growth. It is vital that we invest in our young people. Now, obviously, Nikki's scope 
has been on a younger group of children. And we're wondering whether a new staff appointment might focus more on a slightly older group. Not because we don't want to invest in the younger ones, but looking at where we are currently with the ages of children that we have. Where the bulk of our children are now aged eight plus through to teenagers. We can rejoice that we have a youth group again. When I arrived, we didn't have a 14 to 18s. But because we've invested them at a young age, we've held on to them and we now have thriving crossover and U-turn groups. And to hold those youngsters, we feel we actually need to be looking at where we might get some staffing for that. If we could afford two staff posts, I might be saying something slightly different here. But if we can only afford one, and if we could do full-time, we're probably looking at a staff member that might actually be able to focus on the eight-plus through to the teenagers, at both church families and non-church families, because we want to invest in our own children, but we also want to invest those who aren't part of our church yet. And so that dual aspect of being able to disciple and equip and nurture tender faith but also reach out to youngsters who haven't heard anything at all. I've had conversations with Dave Welsh, who's the youth advisor at the diocese, and he will help us on that. And there's a group in, um, in a fortnight's time that's going to begin to look at what a job description might look like. Nick is kindly going to be helping us understand what her role has been so that we know where gaps might be. And then we have to think creatively about how we fill those gaps, because we definitely don't want to lose any of the work that has been going on. But it seems as if where we're looking at is looking to have a full-time member of staff who will help us with our slightly older children and teenagers. One question that arises from that, we will, we've heard our finances, and it would be tight to have a full-time member of staff, but that's what we want to aim for. We've got to aim high. The hardest challenge in this area is finding somebody who will work who can also afford to live in the area. And so we have to seriously consider housing. On youth worker salaries, on children's worker salaries, you can't afford to live in this area. That's a reality. So we have a choice. We either have to increase the amount so that part of a salary would be a housing allowance so that somebody could rent in this area. But if you've looked at rental prices, that's quite a lot of money. So we'd need to be raising our giving so that we have enough annually to be able to do that. Or we need to look at whether we provide housing ourselves. And this is where the bequest from Marie Peters comes in. Very rarely do churches receive bequests of the size that we receive from Marie Peters. And we have to think very, very seriously and carefully about the best way of using that to honour Marie to know that we are using that well so that God's work can continue. And so we are exploring whether buying a property that would allow us to house a full-time member of staff on a, an appropriate salary might be the way forward to allow us to actually find somebody to come and fill that role. The legacy is incredibly generous, but doesn't buy a house in this area. Kia and Eric and I have just been looking around because we needed to know what we're talking about in terms of costs. 
most of the properties in Wanish go for 350,000 plus. There's a two-bedroomed house on the market now at 425,000, believe it or not. We have seen in Bramley, in Windrush Close, which is just along from the Nisa shop, a property that is three bedrooms and at 335,000 pounds. We're not saying we're going off to buy that. I'm presenting that to you to try and help us understand what this might mean. If having a house for a full-time member of staff is what God wants us to do, we need some more money. This is the bit that is, isn't easy for me to stand up and say. But I believe that I need to put it to you because if this is right, we're all in this together. There are two ways that we could make up the gap. One is to look for a mortgage, and Kevin is exploring whether that's even possible and what that would mean as a church, how we would have a mortgage, what the costs would be, and what the implications of that might be. And we will look at that. We would then need to know that our weekly, our annual giving was increasing enough to cover the mortgage aspect of it. The other way of doing it would be to have a gift day and to raise £100,000 to cover lawyers' fees, stamp duty, and all the other costs that are associated with buying a property. I really don't know what God is saying on that. I believe he is saying that we need to consider it. So I'm raising this this evening so that you know where some of the conversations have been going. And I'd love your feedback. And if we go for a gift day, we trust and we see what comes. The PCC isn't going to do anything that will mean that we're in financial difficulty and can't maintain our existing commitments. We won't do that. So we need to know if this is the right thing, that we all feel it's the right thing, and we're all able to make it happen. And it's a big ask, I know that, it's a big, big ask. But I want to put it out this evening, and I will follow it up over the coming weeks, and I would really value it if you would go away and pray about this and just have a sense of what you think God might be saying. Everything else that I have said will carry on. But having somebody come and work with us full time to support a fantastic ministry that we want to see grow further and further could be the icing on the cake and could give us other opportunities that without that, we might not be able to do. So I do want to put it out there, and I believe God's asking me to, to raise it. But we're all in this together. So please talk to me. Please respond with what you think God might be saying. And over the coming weeks, we can't leave this forever. We would like to be advertising by July, 